I'm here today with Kate Ott, author of a new book titled Sex, Tech, and Faith, Ethics for a Digital Age. Kate is the Jerry L. and Mary Joy Stead Professor of Christian Social Ethics and Director of the Stead Center for Ethics and Values at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. She's also the author of a couple of previous books, Christian Ethics for a Digital Society and Sex and Faith, Talking with Your Child from Birth. And you can learn more about all the work that Kate does at kateot.org. That's K-A-T-E-O-T-T dot org. So, Kate, it's so wonderful to uh, have you join us to talk about your new book. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Well, same here. And, uh, you know, congratulations on all the work that you've done, both, you know, publishing-wise as well as teaching-wise. And uh, it sounds like an exciting uh, new role for you at uh, Garrett. It is. It is. I've just transitioned as of July 1st. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward both to um, continuing in theological education, but having the opportunity to lead the Stead Center on Ethics and Values and create spaces for conversations like these about digital technology. So before we get into the books, why don't we talk about, you know, that a little bit? What, what are the different activities that the center is involved in? So the center is uh, is run and follows the direction of the director, which is just an amazing gift. So we'll be spending this year thinking through some of the ways to engage current ethical issues, uh, both in theological education, but with partners throughout the Chicago area, and then perhaps even internationally. So we will focus on things from conversations about race and racism. Um, a group of colleagues and I started a website called Breakdown Whiteness for helping white folks have conversations, um, both within Christian communities, but outside of that, about their own racial identity and work towards anti-racism. Mm. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll obviously be engaging digital technology since that's one of the primary things I do work in, but also is a critical ethical issue these days. And then there's aspects of the center that have always dealt with medical and healthcare related ethical issues. Uh, so the, the STEDs have a separate center related to Alzheimer's research. And so we'll be thinking perhaps about some of the bioethical issues um, in terms of uh, curing, uh, different kinds of uh, interventions for Alzheimer's. And one of, one of my loves that goes along with sexual ethics as well is questions of reproductive health and access. And given that that's such an important current event issue, I could see us gathering people for conversations on that and maybe some new resources for the ways faith communities can talk about those issues. Um, so those, those are all, those are dreams at this point, um, having just started, but we'll start get starting planning and getting things along in the next few months. Um, the center does a variety of, I'm hoping both some audio video resources, especially for theological education, and then some resources for faith communities, as well as just gatherings of scholars, experts, activists on the ground having conversations about these issues. Hmm. Well, we should stay in touch on this because it fits into the whole theme of the How to Heal Our Divides work that I've been doing. So there may be a collaboration opportunity there. Yes, yes, certainly. And um, one, of the, one of the interesting conversations that has come up specifically because so many folks at Garrett do work 
on youth and young adults, as well as children. They work, you know, with the Proctor Center and Children's Defense Fund uh, that intersects with some of the conversations on digital technology and race and racism is issues going on with banning books, um, you know, misinformation around critical race theory. So those are clearly divisive issues that people seem not to be able to come to the table um, and and have well-informed conversations about. So, so another aspect of ways to grow the kind of interest at Garrett as they relate to the center as well. So I'd love to. <laughs> Fantastic. So um, let's talk about books, but before we get into the new one, can you talk just for a little bit and give folks an overview of the previous books? Sure. So um, uh, Sex Plus Faith, Talking to Your Child from Birth to Adolescence, uh, it was actually my dissertation, which I think if anyone opens it would say, that is not a dissertation. Um, but I love it because if you went and looked at the dissertation, there's all the theory and theology, child development, uh, moral formation, sexual ethics in that dissertation. And when I started having conversations with with publishers and doing my work, I, I didn't go into the academy right away. I went into nonprofit. Um, and going to congregations and meeting with parents, I realized that really no one needed my dissertation. (laughs) People needed a practical book that helped them understand how, one, sexuality was much broader than we usually conceive of it in our faith communities. Like, it's just this one act between certain people who are married, um, but that sexuality is something that forms our entire lives and is part of all of our relationships. So that offering that piece of it to help parents understand that background, breaking down, down some of the faith development, some of the physical, emotional development, and putting those together in staged age groups in a way that a parent can purchase it and kind of read zero to five, make it through that time period, pick it up, read six to 11 year olds, make it through that. Then finally, you know, make it through middle school and high school after that. Um, I'm just really proud of it as a easy to read resource that, that helps parents have conversations that I think our faith communities completely avoid. Um, And so, so that's, that's sex plus faith. Then in going around to congregations and meeting with parents, talking to teens and youth groups, um, leading workshops on the book, I kept getting all of these questions about digital technology. And, you know, I had some good answers from my own experience of parenting and my use of digital technology, but I certainly did not have the kind of well-researched answers of how digital technology is just completely changing the ecosystem of our lives. So I decided I should go research that. If I was going to keep talking to parents and 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 youth, um, especially youth, because they knew answers I didn't, had questions I didn't, that I should tool up on that. And so I went and did all the research for Christian Ethics for a Digital Society. And that my goal with that was to try to understand and break down major concepts of how digital technology functions in our lives. So algorithms, surveillance data collection, um, even its ecological impact 
and um, kind of the, the actual hardware infrastructure, fiber optic cables, those kinds of pieces. <laughs> Think about how we could become digitally literate Christians and bring our values to those conversations. Um, again, I'm, I'm a social ethicist, so I always bring the question of what's going on in our world right now? How do our Christian values inform the way we should respond to it? And how can we actively participate in that response? Um, so, so I did that so that I could feel like, okay, when I go into a youth group and someone makes a comment about Instagram or TikTok, I have a sense of how it actually works and how, why it works that way, the values that are built into it, how it's designed and the impact socially that that might be having with our engagement in it. Um, so, so Christian ethics for a digital society was born out of, out of that necessity, that need. Um, and then that's what led me to, to put the two of them together, to think about issues of sexuality and digital technology for sex, tech, and faith. I was just going to say, it sounds like a natural lead into the, the new book. Um, and so tell us about how that came about. So, I, I mean, I would say I probably wanted to write sex, tech, and faith before Christian ethics for a digital society, but I realized I did not know enough about digital technology. Like that wasn't even something that people could study when I was doing a PhD. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was just not in Christian seminaries. No one was talking about it at the time. I think people were still like, wow, there's this thing called blogging. Um, so, so I knew I needed to to do the research and background work to understand um, digital theology, digital ethics. So um, I had really wanted to write sex, tech, and faith, you know, five, six years ago already. Um, but it needed to wait. And I'm really glad that actually the timing, you know, things happen and the timing worked out. I, I do wish sex, tech, and faith I was writing during the pandemic, and there was so much going on with the issues of digital technology and sexuality and relationships in people's lives during COVID that, um, that I both wish it was out there for people to have had conversation about, but also really learned a lot from those experiences and some of like the just real quick research that had to happen during that time um, because it was such a shift in our lives. But so, so sex, tech, and faith, it is not, you know, it's not just for parents or youth, but it does have a youth study guide at the end of it. Um, because I, I really felt again, what inspired me to, to do this work, to ask these questions were the youth and young adults that I was leading in conversations around sexuality education and their Christian faith. So I wanted there to be a very special part of this book that youth leaders, parents could use to engage folks in this conversation. So there is a youth study guide at the end of this text, but the text itself is really for um, young adults upward in faith communities. And my hope is that it does two things for the reader, that it, one, gives them some digital literacy, helps them understand the how things run and what makes them and why they work in this particular way when it comes to things like online pornography, online dating, um, 
some of the, you know, nastier sides of the internet when it comes to sexual violence and stalking. Um, and then also virtual reality and sex robots. And so it educates the reader about what those things are in, in a, I think a very open and curious way, a non-judgmental way. And then what I do is I craft conversations for the reader to think theologically about those issues. And I want the reader to always bring their own judgments, ask themselves, what's my sexual ethic? You know, this might not be for me, but how would I understand how it fits into the sexual ethic that I might have? And how is that theologically grounded for me? So each chapter has some questions for the reader at the end to kind of decide for themselves how they would approach this issue. Um, for me, that's really important because I'm a teacher at heart. And so uh, I also, I don't think the ethics that we have either around sexuality or around digital technology leave enough room to be flexible in the kind of rapidly changing landscapes that we are experiencing around sexuality and gender and digital technology. So the goal is to help each reader become an ethicist on their own, um, not to tell them what's right or wrong about digital technology or sexual ethics. Mm -hmm. So this is the book. Um, it's a it's very well done cover. And um, I'm glad you talked about that youth study guide session because it's pretty substantive. It's not just a real brief, shallow kind of a thing. It, it has quite a bit of content in it. So, you know, it seems like, um, <clears throat> I mean, so, you know, the, the book is kind of aimed at churches and aimed at parents or aimed at youth, all the above, more or less, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I think the, the main part of the book is aimed at parents, at anybody in a pew, right? Anyone who, and honestly, all those folks who have been informed by Christian values who no longer sit in the pews, <laughs> um, if, if Christianity still informs how you think about the values you bring to relationships, this book is for you. I think it would have to be a very particular kind of parent who might say to their young person, like, here's a book, go ahead and read it. Um, I have young adults in my family. I would do that. But uh, I think for most folks in their congregations, they're probably going to say, I, as the youth leader or the associate pastor, I'm going to read this book. I know the substance of the chapters. And then the reason the youth guide is so robust is so that you can, you can have a session or two on each of these issues, you know, discussion questions, activities, prayers, scripture. I also thought, I know we all have biases that like, oh, that's curriculum for youth, but you could take those youth guides and do an adult study with them. Mm -hmm. If you didn't want to just read the chapter and have discussion questions, I mean, I much prefer to be part of an adult study where we get to do a creative activity where we lean into scripture and ask some hard questions about it related to the applied ethics issue. So my hope is even though it says youth study guide, that um, some faith communities will choose to use it even for their adult studies. Hmm. Hmm. And kind of how is the book organized? Yeah. So the, the intro sets um, what I hope 
is the groundwork. Um, I know some people skip past the intro, so I hope people don't. Um, it sets the groundwork for how we think about understandings, as I said, that broader definition of sexuality, um, the ways in which we conceive of digital technology in the sense that all technologies, not just digital technologies, but they shape us as much as we shape them. So I, I have a cultural digital literacy approach to technology, not so much that it's like a tool over here that we pick up and put down. So the intro sets the framework for how we could collectively think about sexuality, digital literacy, and some of the history of sexual ethics in our faith communities, because I am asking the reader to, to open themselves up and say, okay, I might've been taught this, or I might've been taught that, but let me ask, what really is my sexual ethic? How do I come to that? And so I want them to do that work as they move through the book. So then each chapter deals with a specific technology-related issue. Okay. So the, the, the first chapter is on pornography. Um, and within pornography, I also talk about sexting because in digital culture, that's, that's self-made pornography. Um, so that chapter houses both of those topics. Then uh, online dating, and I think people might sort of feel like online dating's passe, like it's been around for so long, um, but it's constantly shifting. And the majority of people now meet their, their partner, however we'd like to define that, online. Wow. So it's, it's actually shifted. We're not meeting people at work or, you know, college roommate or things like that. Um, we're really, that's the primary way people are meeting. And I think because of that shift, especially in faith communities, we need to have some sense of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the middle chapter is where I address sexual violence in, in, and digital technology. And so um, that's the one chapter I don't describe how the technology works because I don't think that's beneficial. <laughs> like, we don't need to teach people how to stalk someone else. Um, what we need to do is learn how to um, leverage technologies and leverage policies and practices to prevent that. So that's what I focus on in that chapter, as well as um, our theologies that are harmful and helpful when it comes to sexual violence. And then I think the chapters that people have been the most interested in thus far in my conversations uh, chapter four is on virtual reality and relationships in virtual reality. And then the last chapter is on sex robots. And that both of those chapters deal with artificial intelligence, though the chapter on sex robots deals with it probably more than, than any of the other chapters. And that seems to be one of the hot button issues mm. for, for these conversations, for sex tech and anything related to values. Well, you know, Technology within the sexual, you know, world has always been leading edge, right? I mean, the very first early adopters for Betamax tapes, you know, way back when, were it was forced pornography, and uh, a lot of the quote-unquote sin services, um, you know, have led the way because there's a high willingness to pay, you know, for new technologies. So it's not surprising that um, these are coming to the forefront here. Yeah, certainly. And it's also, I mean, as digital technology progresses, it's in, in all spheres, it's allowing for increased privacy, anonymity, 
Um, and, and those tend to be the things that people want uh, when it comes to their sexual lives and sexual relationships. Um, and, you know, honestly, that's even true about dating apps. Hmm. And that's, that's one of the issues I raise for what we might consider a kind of mundane issue these days. You meet people online, you've taken out the community aspect of, of how we partner with people. Um, and I don't, you know, no judgment, whether that's a hookup or whether that's, you know, you're looking for somebody to marry, taking community out of that means that our, from my point of view, that, that our relationships are diminished a little bit since we're not sharing that and we're not sharing the fullness of who we are in community. And so, um, so yeah, I think there's good reason uh, both for early adoption, especially by folks who are willing to experiment and try new technologies and the way these technologies connect people. But I think there's also a caution that um, some of the what we would call affordances or benefits of the technology around anonymity and privacy exacerbate um, maybe some of the values from my point of view um, as a Christian ethicist, we don't necessarily want to continue to promote in our relationships. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that the foreword was written by Mahi Kim Court, who um, also has uh, collaborated with us at Writing for Your Life and Publishing in Color. And, um, how did that come about that you selected her for this? Um, well, I, I absolutely, you know, just love her writing and her work. Um, and she and I have, you know, gone back and forth across social media platforms and we're in similar circles around, um, you know, feminist studies and religion, but I felt like her voice, um, to progressive faith communities, her experience as a pastor, her, her her academic background and then her commitment to um, issues of queer sexuality, especially for people of color, meant for me that she could read this text and either tell me whether I have attended to those kinds of commitments and issues or not. Hmm. Um, so early on, I reached out to her to tell her about the project and just ask if she was if she was willing uh, to write the foreword, but primarily to to read the text first and to affirm whether I had actually lived up to those commitments. And if so, then write the foreword. Mm-hmm. Um, had I been able to speak to, you know, folks that she herself has pastored, um, have I attended to, you know, issues of, of queerness and gender and sexuality sort of on a cutting edge, Um, am I not, am I aware of my own whiteness, but also speaking to communities of color in ways that, you know, the case studies or, um, the kinds of questions I'm asking would be helpful. And so, so I really value the fact as busy as she is, um, that, that me, he was, was willing to do that and contribute the forward to the text. Very cool. So, um, Looking forward for a moment, are there any other future books or future projects that uh, you're able to talk about? Oh, I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm in a battle with myself right now. Um, no, I have two two projects that I would really, um, that I'm, I'm torn, um, but they'll both get done, I know. The first is uh, I'm working on a series for uh, intro to theological education 
texts related to sexuality and embodiment. So we are, as a book series, are trying to cultivate sort of the, the next generation of sexuality and embodiment texts for theological education. So I would love one of those texts to be on digital technology and kind of, you know, an edited volume, gather an amazing group of colleagues to sort of, what would you tell first year seminary students mm-hmm. about digital technology, sexuality, and embodiment. Um, but you know how difficult an edited kind of volume can be wrangling everyone. Sure. So yes. the questions of time. Um, and then because I loved writing the youth guide to sex, tech, and faith, I'm, I'm drawn to the idea of doing a, a separate book. Um, either again for parents or directed right at a youth and young adult audience mm-hmm. um, that maybe doesn't only deal with sexuality and technology, but broadens out to you know, just the ways in which we form relationship and community and the effects that digital technology has in that positive and negative. Um, so th- those are the two two things that are milling around in my brain right now. Nice, nice. Well, I know you've got, you know, your hands full just coming on board at Garrett and all the new things you're going to be involved in there. So um, I can understand if it be a little while before those uh, hit the press. <laughs> but anyway, um, congratulations, Kate, you know, on all the work that you've done. The new book, as I mentioned, is called Sex, Tech, and Faith, Ethics for a Digital Age. And uh, you can learn about all of Kate's work and follow her at Kate org. So, Kay, thanks so much for joining us and best wishes with the new book and uh, the new work at Garrett. Thank you so much. This has been an honor uh, and I hope folks take a look at the book. Absolutely. I'm sure they will. <laughs>